welcome to the Greener Grass Podcast from Bluebird Botanicals. I'm your host, Lex Pelger. Welcome to another Psychedelic Week here on the Greener Grass Podcast. I'm very pleased to present a conversation with Lolly B., an activist and healer I met in New York and someone I've been happy to learn from over the years. Most recently, Lolly was working at Standing Rock as a holistic healer. For her training in this path, she traveled to India for Vedic knowledge, she studied yoga in Colombia, and she learned about shamanism and plant medicines all over the world. Now her practice focuses on helping people to recover from relational abuse and PTSD. In our conversation today, I focus on the plant medicines because that's my own field of interest, but you can contact Lolly to learn more about the other modalities that she works with. But before we hear from Lolly, there's a sad piece of cannabis news to share. This week, we mourn the passing of Dennis Perone, one of the heroes of the medical marijuana movement. As a soldier in Vietnam, he found both marijuana and gay love during the Tet Offensive. So when he stepped off the plane in San Francisco with his discharge papers and a duffel bag full of Thai grass, he was ready to be a foot soldier on the ground against the war on drugs. But then, as his friends started dying from this mysterious AIDS epidemic, he realized the power of cannabis to relieve their symptoms. And as he fought to spread the herb and the good news, local doctors finally started to listen to their patients. And the lazy bastards of the press finally started listening to the doctors. And for the second time in American history, after a century of racist prohibition, cannabis was seen not only as a non-toxic recreational drug, but also as legitimate medicine in itself. It took the horror of the AIDS crisis for this country to finally acknowledge what thousands of years of medical history has already known. And it was Dennis and his friend Brownie Mary who made sure to get the plant to the people. Please look up their story to learn about the heroes who fought to get us here today. This news is also personally sad for me because I made Dennis the star of my first book, which focused on this time period, and I always wanted to put a copy into his hands. But now all I can do is wish him well as he goes to that great green field in the sky. Dennis, I salute you. Finally, this week... I want to highlight the work of our audio engineer, Matt Payne, because not only is he a master mixer of Canadian extraction, but he's also an author and a musician. He had no interest in me mentioning his work, but once he realized I would do it anyway, he grudgingly agreed to a plug for his writing and a mention of his book called Missing to Mars. It's about a man and a woman who moved to Mars, but she immediately goes missing while researching the ancient occult history of Mars. Now, I haven't read that one yet, but I have read another one by him, The Sick Book of Lies, and it's a weird and wonderful piece of work. It's a grimoire of short pieces that are funny and impossible and very vivid. And a good bit of it is X-rated, but the good kind of X-rated. So I'm proud that he works on this show and that Matt is out there making all of this great art. Check out his stuff at patmain.com. I'll link to his site in the episode notes along with all the ways to learn more about today's guest, Lolly B. This show is brought to you by Bluebird Botanicals to spread education about cannabis and other things on the greener side of life. Bluebird CBD oil comes from farms in southern Colorado and is grown using only water, soil, and sunlight. Go to bluebirdbotanicals.com for more info. 
We are talking with Ms. Lolly B, a friend in New York City who is trained as a mental health therapist, but also is interested in working with the plant medicines and does work with the plant medicines. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello, everyone. And so <laughs> can you tell me about how you first got interested in, being, in doing this kind of therapy and then finding the plant medicines as well? Sure. So uh, my interest in pursuing uh, psychology and mental health was uh, really just started by my fascination with the human, like human interaction and the way that our emotions work and the way that people relate to one another and conceptualize the world. Um, it was also inspired by going through an emotionally abusive relationship when I was 18 years old, which left me with PTSD. And I was really surprised by that because I didn't understand that you could get PTSD from something like um, emotional, psychological. And so that really motivated me to go ahead and get my degree to focus on trauma. And uh, when I was, so I graduated my degree from NYU when I was, let's see, it was 2011. And then in 2012, I became a yoga teacher, which is something I had pursued as my own self-care. And then when I was 23, I moved to Colombia to teach yoga, and that's where I first began working with the plant medicine Yahe. And can you tell us more about Yahe and what it was like to find it? Sure. So I had a, I remember I, I took a trip to Brazil, I think it was 2012, and someone told me about this plant medicine called ayahuasca. I had never heard of anything. I didn't even know that there existed really like plants as medicine. This was all completely new to me. I grew up in a very academic um, background, and so this idea that that plants could be, you know, psychoactive or medicinal was something that I wasn't exposed to until later. Um, and then only really seeing it as like a recreational drug was, you know, the, the way it was presented to me. And so I remember this man telling me, oh, you know, we sit in a circle and we drink this medicine and it like helps us see ourselves in a clearer light and the spirit of the plant is teaching us and guiding us. And I've kind of just, it was like a random entertaining thought. Like it wasn't really that real to me at that point in time. It was like, oh, that exists. Like fascinating. And I kind of forgot about it. And a year went by. And I remember a friend of mine had gone to sit in ceremony with ayahuasca in Peru. And so I was curious about it. And then I, to this day, do not know how I got on an email list from a circle uh, out of New York that was serving ayahuasca here in the U.S. I remember I started getting the emails, and I would just kind of ignore them. I was like, I don't, I'm busy, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then toward the end of the summer, I got one. They said, you know, we have an opportunity to sit a ceremony with this plant medicine. And something in my intuition, I can't even, like, explain it more than that, was like, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try this out. I want to check this out. And uh, so that my very first sit was, was here in the U.S. a week before I was moving to Colombia. And at that point in time, I didn't know that this medicine existed anywhere besides Brazil, Peru, and the U.S. Wow, what timing. So your first sit, just as you're about to go. Mm-hmm. So I did my first sit um, with uh, some servers here that, you know, had a lot of integrity, which I was fortunate to find that. And then I moved to Colombia, um, and I started reading about this plant medicine. I, I read a book called The Cosmic Serpent. And it was a really fascinating look at it because it actually took the perspective of microbiology and anthropology combined and sort of culminated in this awareness of the spirituality. And so just having, you know, the academic background integrated with 
that other dimension of spirit was really uh, like the perfect fit for my view of it as I sort of began to open my awareness to understand that something like this could exist beyond the limits of what I'd been taught in science. And at that point in time, I also, you know, I was just reading and I was fascinated by it. And it, was, it was so curious. And it was also this great juxtaposition between, you know, the, the North, North America where I grew up and yet South America where I was born. And I actually, <laughs> it's, it's a sort of synchronicity before I had that term in my lingo. But I remember I had met a woman at Burning Man how appropriate. And she went by the name Pachamama, which is the Quechua word for Mother Earth, which is from South America. And I reached out to her and I just said, hey, do you know of anywhere in Peru that might be serving this medicine, uh, this plant, and maybe after I'm Colombia, I can go to Peru? Um, do you want me to go into the whole story? <laughs> sure. So I emailed, I, I emailed her and she said, you know, let me get back to you. She got back to me a few days later and she said, actually, this man, this friend of mine that I met here at Burning Man a couple of years ago, he's from Colombia and he's going to contact you. And this man emailed me, I believe it was Tuesday, and he said, we're sitting a ceremony with this plant medicine just a few hours away from you on Friday. Would you like to come? And I was like, what? I didn't even know that they had this in this country. I had no idea. But again, I followed my intuition I showed up, didn't know anyone, anything, and just got on a bus and showed up at this farmhouse, as they call them, and was invited to um, three nights of sitting with, with this plant medicine. And um, that the, the man's niece showed up that day, and she had grown up in, in between the U.S. and Colombia, and her and I really, really clicked. And so she had worked with the medicine for several years before and was able to sort of like to prepare me um, for what the process was like because I really still felt like a beginner because I'd only sat one time. And and that was really, I think, like the pivotal moment where I knew that this was something that was going to be in my life forever and that this was something that was beyond the scope of what I had ever conceived could exist. Um, everything up till that point was, it was just like relegated to this fantasy world. Those things aren't real. And so this was a big challenge for my academically trained mind to understand. I just had these incredible experiences drinking a plant, you know, all night. And my, something happened in my psyche and my awareness and my spirit. And now I feel like a different person. How do I make sense of that? And the truth is I couldn't. So I had to just like literally open my mind and just accept that I could not explain how this was happening. I could not explain the experiences that I'd had. And, and yet I was really profoundly changed. And for me, especially being that I was born in Colombia and I grew up in the U.S. with no connection to, to that, that country, that culture. And so to go there and then find this really powerful ceremony was actually, you know, traditional to that land. That was really meaningful for me. And so from there, it was, you knew you were going to be using this plant yourself. When did you realize that you wanted to be something that you would also help other people find and to uh, explore? Uh, you know, I, I feel like all of us have different roles in, we'll say, you know, this emerging consciousness, awareness. And I, I really feel that the plant itself, the plant spirit calls 
different people to serve a different role when it comes to her. I know some people that work with that plant medicine and immediately are, you know, feel that they're, they want to serve it one day. Or I know people that take the medicine and say, you know, that's not for me. And so for me, but it's an echo of my role in the social circles anyway, is I'm a connector. And so I found that I would never post about the fact that I was connected to this, this plant on social media. I would rarely talk about it. I didn't put it out there. And yet over the years, like people would just reach out to me and ask. And I literally wonder why, you know, I don't know why I didn't put it out there. And so people and a lot of people don't know that it's in Colombia either. They think that it, you know, the, it's most known about in Peru. And so it was really just, I'll just meet people at like the right time. Like I remember I met this guy, it was like a, like a friend referred date and we were just chatting and he was in recovery and somehow I brought up, you know, just, I just felt that I should mention this medicine because he was on his healing journey and he was really looking for something else that would help him grow. And I was like, you know, there's this thing exists. I just find that I'm often the one to tell someone that it even exists. And then because I have worked with the medicine and I am connected to a few legitimate circles now, uh, then I'm able to refer them to an opportunity to connect with the medicine themselves. Uh, but I, I don't, it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice that I made. It was just that I carried the awareness within myself that this is a really powerful, profound form of healing that is something outside of the realm of what I was ever taught in school and just having that be a part of my truth I think attracts people to me that are on some level their spirit is is ready for that and can you talk a little bit about uh, people being in recovery from addiction and what you've seen about their experience with ayahuasca yeah absolutely so that was a really big question for this young man that I met you know we that was the first topic where he was like you know it sounds amazing but I've been substance-free for a couple of years now, and I want to keep it that way. And I, was he, what do you think about it, you know, being a risk to that? And I told him about that I, you know, I'd read articles about bringing uh, this medicine into the, um, the prisons in Brazil and hearing about, uh, actually, there was a man in Colombia that I met who used to be heroin addicted and started using this medicine and picked up a guitar one day, taught himself to play and, and never use that other substance again and so I really you know I explained to him that one a lot of substances are attractive and enjoyable because you have a very pleasant experience the truth about sitting with yahe or ayahuasca is it's not comfortable it's not really fun it's not you know something that you get like a rush or a high from typically I really think of it as you know, the equivalent of like going to therapy. It's not something that people are like super excited about, but they do it because it will bring them to a better place. They'll go through that because that's their commitment to be healthier is to sit with that discomfort. And so that was one thing that I offered to him. Like, you know, it's not really something that you're likely to get addicted to because it's not, it's not something you're going to like to do. Um, and it's also, yeah. So that was one thing that I, I remember telling him and just sharing the story that I did, you know, had met other people and read about it helped people to stop being addicted, but it was a risk. You know, I, I referred him to the leader of the circle and that, you know, that circle and him were able to speak about that. Um, the, the leader of the circle reached out to him and they had that discussion about whether or not it was a risk for people who are in recovery. And they concluded that, you know, it wasn't going to be dangerous for that. And so the guy went to the ceremony 
And I know that he has continued to work with the medicine here and there, but never had a problem with it becoming addictive. So I think that's really important to understand. And I also remember talking to, okay, yeah, so just last winter I was in a, a ceremony and there was a young man there who his primary motivation for finding this medicine was because of his addiction. And he had a really beautiful description of it. He described it. He said the grandmother medicine that she's referred to actually like took his hand and brought him to the roots of a tree. And he was able to look down into the roots and see the pain that he carried in his life that had brought him to become addicted to heroin. And so that was really fascinating. You know, he said that he went to the roots of the tree and he saw his father and he saw himself as a little baby and a, a two-year-old and that he was able to like witness these like scenes play out between this young man and his father that induced this deep place of emptiness within this, this little boy. And that, that was so clearly revealed to him that he understood that it was from that same emptiness in himself that he had gone and used these substances that are very destructive. But it took working with this other plant for him to really see that. And once he could identify the cause of his suffering, that suffering that led him to, a, to more suffering of being a, a drug addict, he was able to stop. Like he, it was brought into his consciousness out of the subconscious so that he could deal with it. And he was planning to go home and, you know, work with his father and try to work through some of that stuff or even just express himself in what he had seen. So I think in that sense, it's, we can understand where the addiction comes from and we can understand why, why we came to have that pain that we do that motivates us and then also begin to heal through that pain while working with the medicine. And as a healer, would you have any, um, any advice about safety for uh, people or friends of people who are in addiction right now and might want to use ayahuasca or ibogaine or something like that for their healing? Well, I am not in recovery myself, and I haven't specialized in that field professionally, so I want that to be known first. But I would say that, as always in every situation, and especially with that um, as part of one's story, you have to be very careful about who is serving the medicine. You have to be very careful about that circle, that ceremony, the way it's done. It, you know, just like anything, it's done in different ways. And some, I think, are safer than others, uh, emotionally, energetically. And so I think just that, checking in with yourself, I think it'd be important to be working with some kind of, like, a sponsor or a mentor or a therapist or someone that, you know, you can go and decompress and process from your experience. And... Like, I know that ibogaine can be, you know, can be fatal if you're using it inappropriately. And so I think that just being mindful of that safety with the logistics of using it. And I think if you, if you are an addict in recovery, you might be, I guess there is a risk of, like, for example, I know that some people, like, just order this medicine off the internet and ingest it by themselves. And that's really dangerous. And so I guess, like, there perhaps the motivation of an addict who has previously exploited substances might lead them to want to exploit this substance. And I would definitely recommend against that. So I guess my advice would be, be sure you're doing it in a circle, in a ceremony with a good leader, with a good reputation and have some kind of support to process afterwards. 
that's good advice. Um, and so let's let's switch to your uh, one of your areas of expertise and the use of these medicines for PTSD and the healing of trauma. Mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. So my understanding of trauma is that we go through an experience that is overwhelming to us in the moment. And due to our need to function and survive, we're not able to process through everything that has happened. So we compartmentalize it and eventually often push it deep into the subconscious. Our body then begins to react as well, our physical body, because we're carrying this pain, this unprocessed, intense experience deep within our subconscious, begins to seep into the body often and can manifest as different kinds of aches and pains or illnesses, diseases. And so when you go to something like psychotherapy and you start to work on your trauma, you have to bring it up into the consciousness because or you can't access it because you're in a conscious state when you're talking to a therapist. And sometimes that's so hard to do that it's nearly impossible because your psyche may have spent most of your life developing walls to prevent you from going there, you know, from going to that episode of abuse or going to that loss that you experienced. And so it can be very hard to access what is deep in our subconscious from our conscious state right now. So I think that the value that working with this plant medicine has is that what it really does in my understanding in this context is it allows us to journey into our subconscious. And not only can we bring it into our conscious awareness and remember for later, but we can also do some of the healing work right there in the subconscious and not actually need to go through the, the pain and the triggering and the expression that it would take to bring it into our consciousness. Sometimes we can actually meet it there, especially if you are working with you know, very skilled leaders who are holding the space in that circle that can you know, really hold a tight container. And, and basically you can work out some of that trauma in that subconscious space while working with this medicine. And so what about risks for somebody with very severe PTSD, perhaps from, uh, from being in war or from a sexual assault? What would you say about mitigating risks for someone, especially on their first journey, when there, there might be a risk of re-traumatization or this whole thing just being too much and making it worse? So I think that what I've experienced with this medicine and what I appreciate about it is it allows, at least in my personal experience, all I can speak to you, but it allows me to sort of have one foot in, in the conscious state and one foot in the subconscious, one foot in the ego and one foot in my higher self, as I refer to it. So I think that in that, because that medicine allows both of those voices to be present at once, uh, when, when someone is con- like in, you know, just sober and conscious and starts to activate one of these traumatic memories, basically like that, the trauma, the traumatic piece, the dysfunctional piece can take over the psyche. But when you're working with this medicine, sometimes you're able to stay present with that higher self, you know, maybe with that spirit part of yourself that can then watch as your human ego mind is dealing with this difficult experience. So I find that it's less likely for you to get in that overwhelmed state and where you just can't because it allows, it, it all, not only does it open your subconscious, but it opens like your higher conscious. And then I also would recommend to, you know, explain this to the server of the circle. Ideally keep the circle pretty small. If you think that, you know, you might need to ask for help 
because of what you're working through. Um, but at the same time, like it's, we never get to choose what our experience is going to be like. You can say, I, I was raped and I'm going to sit with this medicine tonight to work on the rape. And that's just not what, that's not what your consciousness is actually going to confront. You don't get to dictate that that's what you're going to work through. You know, you might end up having a totally different topic in your awareness. So I think that it can't really be like as pointed of a tool for a specific condition or incident, but, um, keeping yourself open just to the idea that what it helps you to do in terms of trauma is work through what has been locked up in your subconscious, either by working in the subconscious or bring it into the conscious state, uh, because that's hard to, it's harder to do without the medicine. And so you, cause I've heard stories of the one time use of ayahuasca and it really changing somebody's trauma completely, but you see more often it is a more extensive journey that takes some time, takes some, uh, work with somebody to get to get there? I think that most people, when they sit with this plant medicine for the first time, it's the very first time that they are ever open to the experience of journeying into these other states of consciousness. So it's not necessarily that this medicine, like, like the medicine, you know, fills in the hole that is there. The medicine shows up and is a force that you didn't even know existed before. You didn't even know that this drinking this plant can help you see yourself in this completely different way. And so maybe by knowing, by, by having been exposed to that truth, that, oh my goodness, this is even possible that I can sit with this plant and have my consciousness change so drastically, that that in itself could be you know, the life-changing experience, just to acknowledge that that is. And that doesn't necessarily mean that now, you know, the rape doesn't bother you. It might just be like, oh, my gosh, I know that I'm going to be able to work through this. I didn't even know this was possible for my psyche to work like this. I was able to, to see the pain and see myself now and see all these other aspects of the situation that I couldn't see before. But that's why I think you should then continue not necessarily to work with the plant medicine itself, but continue to process. Maybe you then go to psychotherapy or you you write or whatever is in addition to continue processing. One thing that I will point out that I've noticed and other people reflect back is that sometimes people get a little too focused on the night that you're drinking the medicine and not as much on integrating what that is and like keeping that awareness and those lessons with you every day and keep doing the work every day. Like it's not that this medicine does the work for you. It just kind of provides you tools that you still have to pick them up and keep working with them even when you're not sitting in a circle. Uh, Houston Smith has that line about, we're not looking for a flash of illumination, we're looking for a pure abiding light. And the high mm. isn't what's helpful here. And I really appreciate you saying this is, this is work and to, to be doing this kind of healing on yourself, uh, you have to be ready for it. It's preparation and it's integration afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I think of it as ongoing. I mean, some people absolutely they'll just drink one time in their life. And I think that the exposure to that, just those other dimensions or just the concept these plants have a consciousness and they can, they can in a way suspend your ego. I think that that's the key is like a lot of these practices that those of us on a spiritual path are seeking is how to, you know, exist beyond the ego and stay in touch with that higher consciousness state. You know, that part that's like, I know what I should do. The best thing I should do is this, but your ego says, yeah, but I really want to yell at this person because I'm mad. 
Um, and I think that these plant medicines allow us like a, a little shortcut sometimes to access that higher consciousness. And then after ceremony, we can re- try to remember, oh, yeah, I remember what that was like. I remember I was in that higher consciousness place. And maybe now I can look at this situation and, and allow my ego not to be the one that's acting out. And one, one safety question I'll make sure to ask, what about medications? And for people who are interested in this, what medications do they need to be cautious about or shouldn't be experimenting with uh, psychedelics with? Absolutely, very important. So because of the, um, the neurotransmitters and the receptors that this medicine works within your brain, you should be very careful. Most people will ask you not to be on SSRIs because there can be basically like a they'll, they'll overlap too much, having too many chemicals in your brain that are working on the same receptors. So most people ask you to be off of SSRIs for your own safety and also just for the functionality of the experience. Um, because not only could it maybe confuse that chemistry that the medications you're already on have developed in your brain, but sometimes it just won't work in a way because those receptors are already being blocked by another substance. And the last question I'd like to ask uh, to someone like yourself, a healer who's interested in using these plant medicines, if we could get you a giant grant to set up your own center or to do something with, what, what vision would you most want to, ha- to create to, uh, to do your work? Absolutely. So I would create an interdisciplinary center that integrates all different aspects of healing from the psychotherapy of the West to the plant medicines of the South, to the yoga practices of the East, to the meditative practices of the Far East, and all of the above. And I would have this be a center where people are able to, you know, have experience with these different modalities of healing. So they'd be able to sit in ceremony with ayahuasca, and then the next day receive massage, and then talk to the therapist, and then do some yoga, and then do some meditation. I think like the integration of these different healing tools is the best application for this integrated world that we live in and i think that that would be really profound i mean i think that if more people had access to this medicine at a younger age it could heal a lot of relationships it could prevent a lot of suffering and could just make this this world more peaceful it takes sort of a more active approach to doing your healing like i had a woman who was in ceremony with me and she said you know i've gone to a therapist for 10 years and what I went through last night, which was in the moment quite unpleasant, but she felt like she advanced in her own healing and her own processing more in that one night with medicine than a decade of psychotherapy. Uh, well, I really enjoy your vision. That's one of the best answers I've gotten to that question. So uh, I want to say thank you so much. And so for anyone out there who wants to hear more from Lolly, can you tell us uh, where to find your new show? Sure. Yeah. So I'm primarily accessible on Facebook, Lolly B. Um, my Facebook page is Lolly B Healing. You can find me under that name on Instagram. Uh, my Gmail is also lollybhealing at gmail.com. My website, which I need to update, is lollyb.com. On Facebook, it's Lolly B, spelled with two E's. Um, and you can add me there, and that's where I'll be launching my Facebook Live talk show. So you can find me on Facebook under Lolly B or Lolly B Healing. All right. Well, congratulations on the launch, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Greener Grass is a Bluebird Botanicals podcast. Their CBD oil supports a healthy body and a strong endocannabinoid system. 
They've got friendly customer service who can answer any of your questions, and the number is right there at the top of their webpage. But, per the FDA, they won't be able to make any medical claims for these nutritional supplements. That's also the reason you'll hear little about CBD on this show. There's no need for us to add more evidence about CBD when a simple Google search will give you more than you can read in a month of Sundays. So this show covers the cannabis world and more with editorial freedom from Bluebird Botanicals. Thanks for joining the Greener Grass Podcast. As always, our audio alchemist is Matt Payne. The Gypsy Jazz theme music comes from Brett Van Donsel. Our beautiful bird sounds are courtesy of Lang Elliott. And I'm your host, Lex Pelger, wishing you a bright green day.